Thanks to LegalZoom for supporting this episode of Market Foolery. Whether you want to take your business to the next level or take control of your family's future with an estate plan, LegalZoom is where to start. They're not a law firm, but their network of independent attorneys can help keep you on track. For special savings, go to LegalZoom.com and enter the promo code FOOL at checkout. That's LegalZoom.com. It's Thursday, February 1st. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill, joining me in studio today from Total Income, Ron Gross. Happy February! Hey, hey, it's February already. It is. How about that? Just like the calendar predicted. Have you written 2018 on a check yet? Uh, Do you no. still write checks? Every once in a great while, I write <laughs> checks. And if someone is nearby watching me, they make fun of me. <laughs> That's funny. Um, <laughs> It's Earnings Palooza. And uh, Thank God. before we get to Earnings Palooza, three quick housekeeping items. Uh, usually I do those at the end. I'm going to get them out of the way Please. right now. Uh, because in the wake of yesterday's episode, I've already gotten email questions and tweets from listeners uh, about the Fool 100. Mm. Just go to fool100.com and th- that will answer everything f- you need to know. Far more than I can tell you. Um, as I mentioned, it's Earnings Palooza uh, this week. On Motley Fool Money, so there are so many companies reporting earnings just in the last 24 hours. It's a plethora. It is. We couldn't get to them today. So, like PayPal, eBay, we're not getting to those today. We will get to them on Motley Fool Money. Otherwise, this would be an hour-long show. No, I gotta go. Yeah. Uh, speaking of hour-long shows, my third announcement <laughs> is a reminder that tomorrow, Friday, February second, there will be a bonus episode of Market Foolery. It is our third apropos of nothing episode. Great name, and it has nothing to do with investing. Nothing. So on the Twitter profile for Market Foolery, it says analysts discussing business, investing news, and occasional tangents. <laughs> Tomorrow's bonus episode. It's all tangents. There's no investing news. So please, if you don't like tangents, that's one to skip. If you'll have me, I volunteer for one. All right. Can we change? I digress. I would like to change the name to that. <laughs> We can work that out afterwards. Uh, let's get to the earnings. We'll start with Facebook's uh, fourth quarter. Uh, another great reminder that um, it's good to be an individual investor and not uh, a computer algorithm that just trades automatically <laughs> on what the earnings announcement says. Yeah. Because right after the earnings came out uh, yesterday afternoon, shares of Facebook down about 5%. Um, one of the big headlines was about the lower uh, user hours. We'll yep. get to that. Uh, as we tape this, however, Stocks up four to five percent, hitting an all-time high, uh, in part because um, you know what Facebook can do? They can charge more money for ads, which which pretty much is the business model, yes. right? Um, yeah, really interesting. As you said, if if you if you trade on headlines, which as a fool I hope you never do, right? You probably would have gotten this one wrong. Um, the metrics in and of themselves, a lot of good ones. You know, if you forty-seven percent increase in revenue, significant increase in profits, uh, average price per ad rose forty-three percent. Um, they were able to extract nearly six dollars uh, more revenue per user, which is a twenty-six percent increase. Lots of stuff for for those folks that are into metrics and, and want to measure um, where Facebook is growing. The headline, as you mentioned. And why the stock sold off was this big, you know, time spent by users had fallen by about 50 million hours a day. First of all, 50 million is a big sounding number, and it is. We shouldn't sweep this under the rug. This is this is an important thing to discuss. Um, it translates to about a five percent decrease in time spent on Facebook um, during the quarter. That translates to a little more than two minutes a day per average user. 
Two minutes, yeah, okay. Um, but I think it's more important to understand what why, right? And it's because Facebook has been making this very, very concerted effort to change its newsfeed to prioritize more on what friends and family are sharing, and less on news videos and other types of content that does typically perform well in the newsfeed, but encourages kind of the, the passive use of the platform that Facebook is trying to. Um, get away from. And that has an impact. It certainly has an impact in the short term and perhaps the medium term as people adjust their viewing habits. Um, but uh, as you mentioned at the top, the, the more important news is that they're able to actually increase their, their ad revenue. Um, you know, and and that's what's going to really drive this business. And the company made it made it very important point on the conference call to say, you know, that they thought the time, the lower time spent, would be compensated for by higher quality time. Now we'll see if that's actually true. And any trimming of of ad loads, as they call it, would be compensated by higher ad pricing. And I think we will see that. So all in all. I think the company is doing what it needs to do to to you know be around and be uh, um, relevant for the next five, ten, twenty years, even if they take a short-term hit on some of the metrics that investors watch so closely. And Mark Zuckerberg said, uh, or if he didn't say it, someone on the call, one of the executives said, I think it was Zuckerberg, but one of them said that this drop in hours. They don't think that's a trend. They think that's a blip. Yep. We'll find out the answer to that in three months. And I think that, um, unlike uh, Elon Musk, Mark Zuckerberg is a CEO who gets held accountable for what he actually says <laughs> in terms of in is terms that important? of in terms of the business performance. So uh, th- that will be interesting to watch. Yes, for sure. One other metrics metric I want investors to keep an eye on is the uh, company had the first ever quarter-to-quarter decline in the number of users uh, who log on daily um, in the U.S. and Canada markets. That that number was down about 700,000 daily users, although the the number was up 33 million globally. But U.S. and Canada are ever important, so let's just keep an eye. No, absolutely something to keep an eye on. But I want to go back to the ad pricing. Average price of ads up 43 percent. It's a big number. That's astonishing. So if you're a regular if you're a company that regularly spends money on Facebook's platform, you go to them in the summer of 2017 and you make your ad buy and you come back in November and oh by the way it's going to be a higher price. Oh, how much 43% <laughs> higher. And well, you're going to pay it because what are you going to do? You're going to go to you're going to spend that money where? Snapchat? <laughs> God forbid. But um I, you know, the company doesn't need to keep putting up those 43% numbers, no. in my opinion, for the stock to still be um, one that you would want to own. But that is an incredible number. And, and they will have to prove to advertisers that not only are people coming to the site, but they are staying for a fair amount of time and, and kind of consuming those ads. But I think the company has proven and will continue to prove that that is the case. So we have a tech giant putting out this report. Stock drops after hours. Once people can digest it, the stock up and hitting an all-time high. Yeah. Which brings us to Microsoft, which basically had the exact same story with their third quarter report. Um, profit and revenue came in higher than expected. The cloud computing division raking in more than five billion dollars, and yet another stock. That that stock 
I mean, as amazing as the run of Facebook has been over the last 12 months, uh, the Microsoft being up 50% in one year over the last in year. one year yeah. is astonishing. It's astonishing, and it's really, really the credit goes to Satya Nadella, the CEO, yes. who truly has transformed this business over the last three several years into a cloud computing business. And it is not easy to turn a ship the size of Microsoft um, and focus on something else. And um, as you said, that cloud computing business. Um, really, really solid. The, the Azure business jumped 98%. Office 365 grew 41%. Um, the, the overall intelligent cloud segment was up 15%. They're really basically the number two cloud company now, but behind Amazon. Really impressive numbers. Now, you know, we can't forget the, the what they call the more personal computing segment that includes Windows, and that is the largest um, segment of Microsoft still. Um, but it, of course, is the, the slowest growth um, segment as well. If if we get growth in a, in a particular quarter, only up two percent, but still, growth is better than than decline. And and again, let's remember it is the largest segment, so it, it still remains important. But this is a cloud computing story. That's what the stock, I think, trades on. That's why the stock is up fifty percent. Um, and I think they've done done a great job. You know, like many other of these huge companies that have done business overseas for years, they have accumulated a, a large cash hoard of overseas profits. I think I want to say around one hundred forty three billion. Um, so of course they had to take around a fourteen billion billion dollar charge because of the new tax plan. Because of that, as we're seeing across the board, not a problem there. They haven't said when they'll actually bring that cash back, but as um, they've done in the past, they've been a pretty good done a pretty good job of returning cash to shareholders, both through their dividend as well as stock buybacks. They've had to do that largely through debt because they've been somewhat cash constrained, which is funny for a company with billions of dollars. <laughs> but um, so they've done it through debt. Now they probably will not have to do that if they choose not to once they have um, uh, more cash in the bank here in the U.S. Um, I think that's great for shareholders. Uh, company's not as cheap as it once was. Let's face it; it just isn't. I, I, Twenty times EBITDA maybe is. Is not a cheap stock, but if they keep this transformation going and keep the growth numbers coming in, I think I think it's something I, I'm an owner and I, I have no intention to sell anytime soon. So it's interesting because Alphabet is going to report after the market closes today, and will that'll probably be one of the lead stories on Motley Fool Money this weekend. And if you think about Facebook, Microsoft, and Alphabet, and how those companies have performed. It's not like you can look at all three of them and say every single part of their business is crushing it. And that to me is part of the counter to people who look at in the case of Facebook and Microsoft today both stocks hitting an all-time high and thinking gosh I really don't like buying at the high. It's like I just sort of look at that and go okay but it would be one thing if they were hitting all-time highs and they were maximizing every single part of their business. That doesn't appear to be the case. It's certainly in the case of Facebook, if they're turning on some sort of cash machine with WhatsApp, yeah. they're, they're keeping that a secret. Microsoft, <laughs> I mean, LinkedIn is in the business processes segment of right. Microsoft's business, uh, along with Office and 
that did nearly nine billion this last quarter. That's great. That was a little bit higher than expected. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I don't think Microsoft looks at what they're doing with LinkedIn and says, "Oh, we're absolutely getting the most." That's exactly where we want it to be. Right. Without, no, no, for sure not. And with Alphabet, it's YouTube. Right. And there's 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 always there's growth in things that are not doing well. There's growth in things that are doing well and will continue to do well. And then there's new business lines. And that's why you can't look at a stock and and say where it is on its 52-week higher low and make an investment decision based on that. It's much, much more important to look at the underlying fundamentals of the business. So you're saying don't just look at the headline. I'm saying do not just look. For unless, sure, do not. Unless you're a trading algorithm, <laughs> in which case uh, you should have your pay docked because it hasn't worked <laughs> out. Um, before we move on, now that the New Year's madness is over. I mean, it's February. The New Year's madness is over. It's time to work on your story for 2018, and LegalZoom can help. You can finally get serious about launching and running your own business or square away your family's future with the right estate plan. And you can do all this and more with LegalZoom. By the way, do you have a will? Do you have, I do, you, yes. You got, yeah. Yes, for yeah. sure. For anyone, everyone should have a will. Do you want in on it, or no, are you just curious? I mean, we could talk about that later. I didn't know that was an option, but now that you mentioned it, no. But it was just—I was talking with with someone who shall remain nameless, and just talking about you know, you get to a point in life, you should have a will, and absolutely, if you have children. Oh yes. And and in this case, this was someone who has children and doesn't have a will. Not and I said, right. You Not got good. you got to do that. LegalZoom's been helping people like you take care of their dreams and responsibilities for over 16 years. They're not a law firm, but they have the resources to help keep you on the right path, including advice from their network of independent attorneys, all at their fingertips. LegalZoom plugs right into your life without billing you by the hour, because at LegalZoom, all pricing is given up front. Imagine that! <laughs> Write your 2018 story now at LegalZoom.com slash fool and get special savings. That's LegalZoom.com slash fool. LegalZoom, where life meets legal. One more time, LegalZoom.com slash fool. I wanted to get your thoughts about conference calls, because I, it sort of struck me this morning as I was watching CNBC, and they were playing audio clips from Facebook's Conference call mm. where Mark Zuckerberg was reading from a prepared statement, and it it just sort of got me thinking about how different companies approach conference calls. And at one end of the spectrum, you've got Berkshire Hathaway, yeah, and other companies that say we're not doing this, we're not doing quarterly reports, we're going to do an annual. That's it. Like we're done. We're not doing the the, the conference call. Right. Um, obviously, they do the quarterly reports, but they don't do the call. You've got Facebook and a lot of other companies that say. Yep, we'll do the quarterly report, and we will have a phone call. But that was the thing. I was watching the TV, and they have a picture of Mark Zuckerberg, and I'm hearing his voice, and I just thought, well, why aren't they? Why isn't this on? Why aren't they doing a Skype call? Why aren't they doing? <laughs> have you ever had a Skype call with more than four people? Uh, I haven't. No, <laughs> but I, I'm assuming I'm assuming Facebook has got the technology to pull that off. And then you've got at, at the other end of the spectrum from Berkshire Hathaway, you've got companies like. And I don't know that they do this every quarter, but they certainly have done it for the last few quarters in a row. You've got the Walt Disney Company, Mm -hmm. where CEO Bob Iger, the quarterly report comes out. He sits down and does a live one-on-one interview on CNBC, and then he goes to the quarterly conference call. Right. That's a lot of good information coming out of that company. Do you, first of all, do you have a preference, or do you, or do you not care? I've got a lot of thoughts here. Let me try to organize them first. So, I would say, so first of all, conference calls were originally designed 
for Wall Street analysts and institutional investors. It would be very rare for an individual investor or a news media outlet to be on a conference call. And that's kind of what they were put in place for, for the company to disseminate that information and for analysts to ask questions. And, and by the way, lest anyone listening think, that Ron is referring to way back in the dark age. Well, it's like this is how it was in the fifties. No, no, that's how it was in this century. And at the beginning of this century, I'm going to take a victory lap on behalf of our company. The Motley Fool was instrumental in helping uh, to push the SEC to approve what was referred to as Reg FD, Regulation Fair Disclosure, which said, you know what? We actually think that individuals. Have the right to this information too. Right. So now, um, not only can most individuals actually listen live to a conference call, but for sure there's replays, there's transcripts, and there's much more access. And and it takes it, it's much less kind of done behind the scenes, like you said, where analysts used to call up companies and ask questions, and the companies would answer them. Um, now RegFD has said basically all important public information needs to be disseminated equally. To all all investors, which which has been great, maybe not great for analysts, but certainly <laughs> great for for investors in general. Um, back to your actual question, um, I think it's really more about transparency than it's about frequency. And Berkshire is the perfect example. The frequency that you hear from Warren Buffett himself is is not quarterly, although, as you said, there is a 10Q and there is a press release. But the transparency coming out of that company, I think most people would agree, between the annual report and the annual shareholders meeting, is pretty extensive. And you can, as an individual investor, ask Buffett questions, and certainly analysts ask him questions. And he does go on CNBC occasionally, and Becky Quick gets an interview here and there with him. But uh, you could you could talk to investors all day long if you're kind of just reading boilerplate financial data and not answering questions. That's not as helpful as the transparent CEO who really wants to help investors understand what's going on at the business in the business. And I think. Where companies get into trouble is when they forget that they're public companies owned by the shareholders, <laughs> and that's actually where you'll see activist investors come in, as I used to be. When when companies start to to act like private companies and say, "Well, you shareholder, you you can come along for the ride if you want, but this is the way we're doing it," um, they forget that that they are no longer private. They've gone public for whatever reason they chose to do so, and that they owe a certain amount of transparency to the shareholders of the company, um, and and that's where activists. Investors will come in and start making noise very often. So again, I'm a frequency we can we can haggle with. Transparency is essential. I think if nothing else, you get a better sense of how management is feeling if you can actually see them and hear their voices. But but in particular, if you can see them. And to me, every once in a while, I'll talk about sort of having stocks on a leash. How much leash do you give a given company or a given CEO? And I tend to give a longer leash to to companies and CEOs that are, to your point, are more transparent, and I have a better sense of how they handle. Tough questions because that's you know when everything's great when it's all sunshine and rainbows <laughs> then easy. it's like right. you know anyone can be running the company it's when they hit a couple of speed bumps and then that's when I really want to see okay what is their body language like how do they you know how prickly are they under tough questioning what's their level of confidence because ultimately 
that's one of the things I want. Um, not sort of blind confidence, not Ricky Bobby confidence, yeah. <laughs> unearned confidence, but just sort of the yeah, we're in a tough patch, yep. but uh, we're going to make it out of this. It's interesting. I I would imagine it'll you know someone will be brave enough to move a conference call to video at some point, and maybe that will get traction. There's thousands of people on calls sometimes, so you know especially if there's going to be questions that are asked, you've got to get the technology right. But I always picture. Um, the management team sitting around a desk with a speakerphone on, and I picture the CFO scribbling something down quickly and sliding it to the CEO, <laughs> or maybe somebody covers a microphone and says, "You know, what's the answer to that you question?" You can't say that. And on video, you know, that gets a little more dicey because you can't you can't do things behind the scenes. So so you have to have your your stuff down a little bit more. But I, how could it not move to that at some point, right? I hope so. Yeah. Thanks for being here. My pleasure. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So, don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show's mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you on Monday.